We are going to begin in Psalm 32, and uh, we're going to do the review, and then we're going to um, look at some emphases that are very important to understand when we're thinking about the subject of knowing the will of God. The, knowing the will of God is one of the subjects in the Word of God that it's good to go over often. Um, in fact, once a year wouldn't hurt, because um, from time to time we're concerned, what is God doing in my life? What is his will for me? And the goal behind this study this morning is to get us to be able to make decisions in the coming year that are based on desiring to do the will of God. So uh, knowing the will of God and decision-making is our subject for this morning, and I've basically given you uh, the review from last week, and we're going to cover a few more things with regards to knowing the will of God. And I would say, you know, for we who are here this morning to worship the Lord, we would be saying, you know, I want God's will in 2018. I don't want to just be doing what I want to do. I want to do God's will. I want to do the things that he wants me to be doing. And we'll talk at, towards the end of the message about uh, can we miss the will of God and uh, what if I really don't want to do the will of God. We'll try to bring that in at the end of the message this morning. But I think basically we're all going to be in agreement together and saying, look, and New Year's before us, Lord, I really want to do your will. That's where we're at. As we start uh, the review on our study, you'll notice again we're making this statement, which we started with before, God wants to guide us. And that great verse, awesome verse, in uh, Psalm 32, verse 8, where the psalmist said, uh, speaking for the Lord, of course, the Lord speaking says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my, <clears throat> with my eye. So here's God's promise. He wants to guide us. And even though that's true, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> we must desire God's will in our lives. In other words, we don't want to be living day after day after day and not saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? You remember Saul in the, the book of Acts chapter 9, when he came to faith in the Lord, the first thing he said was, <clears throat> pardon me, I may cough a little bit this morning, but I'm far enough behind you, I won't give you what I have. <laughs> By the way, the doctor said I'm not contagious, so we'll keep that in mind too. But anyway, there may be a little cough that comes once in a while. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know. In other words, if we really want the will of God, he will lead us and guide us. Now, that's an important principle. It really is. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know. Now, I know the context of John 7, 17. He was speaking to those around him who thought that he was not the son of God sent from the Father in heaven, that he was giving those who were listening to him the very words of God. But, he said, those who really want to know what God wants, they will receive that instruction from the Lord. In the next paragraph, we have the example of the uh, people of Israel, how they were uh, led through the wilderness by the pillar of cloud by uh, day and the pillar of fire by night. And, of course, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire represented the presence of the Lord. And uh, that, that must have been awesome. It really must have been. For the people of Israel in their tents, they would look out 
and they would see the uh, tabernacle, and they would see the pillar of cloud, and they would say, the Lord's with us. He's really with us. You know, that's a wonderful thing to understand as believers. We don't have a pillar of cloud, and we don't have a pillar of fire, but it's a wonderful thing to know as believers that since I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He is with me. He's with me when I load up and get in the car and head out from here today. He's with me when I go to work tomorrow. He's with me no matter where I am. Uh, That's an awesome thing to understand and consider how that relates to the subject of knowing the will of God. If the Lord is close to us, uh, He's going to help us, enable us when we have decisions to make. Well, how does, uh, how does God make his will known to us is the next major statement. And uh, I'm going to go through these rather quickly. And the point, first of all, is we must desire and pray for God's will. Uh, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. There's another reference if you want to jot it down next to this, and I, I like this one. It's, it's a strong reference as well. It's Psalm 119, verse 133. Order my steps in your word. And let not sin have dominion over me. Now that verse ties right in with the next, um, um, pardon me, number three in your statements here, where it says, first and foremost, number three, God leads us through his written word, the Bible. Uh, There are so many truths that are given in the word of God that help us to live in the will of God. Truths about our relationships with others. Truths about forgiveness. uh, Truths about seeking Him. Uh, These things are all necessary for us to really understand the will of God. God wants us to trust Him one step at a time. And in number three there, you'll notice the reference that is given is Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. (laughs) Today we have a lot of really awesome flashlights and uh, abilities to make light before us. But back in this day, he was talking about a lamp, which only actually allowed a little bit of light in front of a person so they could walk successfully and not be hindered in any way. Well, um, this is a good illustration because the Lord leads us one step at a time. We're here today. We're here desiring to worship the Lord. We're here desiring to please him. We have an afternoon before us. We have an evening before us. And we want to do God's will. And so if we say, Lord, I want you to lead me, he may lead you to do something this afternoon that maybe you haven't even done before. He may lead you to contact somebody. He may lead you to pray for somebody. Uh, We want and we need the leading of the Lord in our lives. So number three, first and foremost, God leads us through his written word, the Bible. This is why we're encouraged to read the word of God every day. Number two was that reminder that we need God's guidance in our lives. <laughs> I love this reference. I really do. Jeremiah 10:23, number two in the study. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself and is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. You say, well, there are multitudes of people who don't see God for leading in their lives. That's true. But once we trust Jesus as our Savior, He wants us to seek Him. 
In fact, he says, now you're actually in a position where you really need me. And we do, don't we? Don't we need the Lord? And we want him to lead us. We want him to guide us. I love that reference. It's a clear reminder. We don't have it inherently in ourselves to direct our steps. We need guidance from the Lord. Number four, God leads us through the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer. And I gave the reference from the book of Acts. We talked about this last week. Uh, The point is that the apostles wanted to continue their journeys throughout their communities in spreading the gospel. And they were seriously considering going in one direction over into the providence of Asia. But notice the text clearly says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So it wasn't the fact that the Holy Spirit was keeping them from sin as such. (laughs) He's saying, I want you to go here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's where I want you to go. And see, as we go into 2018, we have this coming year before us, we all will have different opportunities to do things for the Lord. And again, we need to be saying, Lord, is this what you want me to do? The Lord may want you to teach a Bible study. The Lord may want you to teach a Sunday school class. The Lord may want you to have a one-on-one study with somebody. And so you need to ask yourself, Lord, would, would your Holy Spirit direct me into what you want me to do, your will, in this coming year. Um, the, the second reference is uh, Philippians 2.13, for it's God who works in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And God working in us, of course, is the work of the Holy Spirit. So he really does prompt us and speaks to us to minister to others, both believers and even to those who do not know Christ as Savior. Holy Spirit prompts us to do things to please the Father in heaven. And under that, I just had to put this little statement where it says, it is important to pray for the leading of the Holy Spirit before going on any important activity. Uh, I'll mention one to you that I had recently, not too long ago, but I got a call from our former church in New York. And um, they said, would you come and minister on our 50th anniversary? Would you be the principal speaker? My first reaction, I don't think so. It would be nice, and the Holy Spirit's tapping me on the shoulder. Why don't you want to go? I mean, mean, you were there for ten and a half years. Why don't you want to go? But like Chuck Swindoll said, we mentioned this last week, when Chuck Swindoll was asked to become the president of Dallas Seminary, first thing he said, I don't think I want to do that. I thought that was neat the way he spelled that out. And, uh, boy, he he couldn't get the burden off his heart. Look, they've asked you to do it. Are you going to do it? And uh, finally he said the Lord gave him peace that he would be the next president of Dallas Seminary. So it it is amazing. It's really amazing how God leads and how he directs us. Now, uh, the next one, of course, in the study is the, the peace of God. And um, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And it's amazing how the Lord gives us peace. And there's another one quickly about how when we need guidance, we can go to other believers in Christ and receive counsel from them. Even in the New Testament, the Word of God encourages us to counsel one another, encourage one another. So God could use someone else, even this morning, in this church fellowship, uh, 
You may have a decision to make and you would say to someone, would you pray with me about this? And they would say to you, yes, I'll pray with you about it. What's your concern? Now, don't necessarily have to go into a whole lot of detail, but God uses the counsel of others to guide us in the will, uh, his will. Now, uh, number six on the study sheet, I want to talk about this for just a few minutes together. And uh, this is the passage that talks about the peace of God. And Colossians 3.15 is one of your key verses here, that the peace of God rule in your hearts. So God does lead us into his will by giving us inner peace. In other words, you pray for the will of God, and um, you have a choice to make. And so you make that choice, and when you make that choice, God gives you peace. Now, I'm going to talk in a few minutes about when you don't have the total peace you'd like to have, okay? Because this, this can happen. But here's the point. We can have inner peace, but we need to be careful that we have to have 100% certainty of God's will before we make decisions. Stay with me. Stay with me. There are some decisions which you're going to make you're going to say, I have to have peace of heart and mind about that decision. Uh, I'll, I'll take one that probably we would all agree on. Going to have major surgery. And the doctor says, well, you can choose not to have it or you can have it. Lord, what's your will? The Lord says, have the surgery and you have peace about it. However, when it comes to decisions of choices you have to make, places you have to go, responsibilities you have to do, you can pray the Lord and ask for wisdom and you make a decision, but you don't really have 100% certainty in this situation. Now, let me back up. You'll see how this pulls together. Some things you absolutely need 100% certainty. In other areas, you may not get it. And you say, well, why do you say that? Well, because there are examples in Scripture. Did Noah know all about the flood before he built the ark? No. Did Abraham have a road map to Canaan? Did he have a GPS service to work with? No. Did Moses know all about what would happen when God said, I want you to lead the people of Israel out of bondage? It took him a while to even say yes to that, didn't it? Did he know all about it? What was going to happen? Absolutely not. Did um, Joshua know when the Lord said, I want you to march around the city of Jericho? Did Joshua know that the walls were going to fall down by God's power? No. So here's my point. The point is, we have to be careful in wanting only 100% assurance about this decision. Meaning... We can make a decision and not be certain of all the ramifications that are going to happen as a result of that decision. Now, I hope you were following me on that. Uh, Because uh, the life of faith means sometimes we live with some uncertainty even in the midst of doing God's will. Just like these that I mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. There were great men and women of faith who didn't know the future, but they trusted God anyway. Repeat, there were men and women who were asked of God to do great things. And they didn't know all the outcomes of it. But they said, Lord, I trust you that you're going to lead me. So if you have a decision to make, decision to move, 
decision to buy something, a decision on a relationship. You go to God about it, and we'll close with this, with the the final how we pray. You go to God about it, and you may not all know all the ramifications of that choice, but you're going to trust God. And by the way, that's why He gave us Proverbs three, five, and six. You know it pretty well, don't you? Some of you, okay. Some of you know it. Some of you may not know it. Let's do it together. Proverbs three, five, and King James version. <laughs> trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct you. Boy, that's a tremendous promise. These verses are so vitally, vitally important. So we have to be careful wanting 100% certainty before we act on a number of decisions. People in Hebrews chapter 11 were those who were trusting God. Even though God asked them to do something which they may have never done before. There are a lot of certainties in the Word of God. And you know those certainties. Probably all of us who are here know those certainties. And the first one, we started this study on the will of God. Don't lose this sheet, by the way. I look at these I look at these passages often because we all have choices to make. The first one was that God is committed to showing us his will. He wants to do it. And uh, we have to get to the place where we get close to the Lord. Remember we talked about uh, the children of Israel seeing the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, representing the presence of the Lord. And the closer we are to the Lord, the more we're going to be able to hear him when he says to us, this is something I would really like you to do for me. I want you to make a choice in this area. Very quickly, I want to mention some questions that are asked I'm going to answer them very quickly and then we'll give that closing prayer people ask this question what if I know the will of God but deliberately choose not to do it repeat what if I know something that God wants me to do I just don't want to do it well we are imperfect people now in Christ (laughs) we're saved and we're sanctified positionally but we're still imperfect people while we're here until we're totally sanctified in the presence of the Lord. So there are believers who have said, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to tell you something sincerely. I'm praying for a brother in the Lord. You don't know him. He's ready to make a pretty poor decision. That's why God calls upon us to pray for one another. Um, Christians can say no to something that they know to be the will of God. And I guess a verse that I would use for this would be the Hebrews 11.25 passage, which says that um, there are the passing pleasures of sin. The passing pleasures of sin. And someone went to our youth pastor in New York, and he said to him, he said, uh, why is it I choose to sin all the time? And he gave it. I never thought he was going to give this answer, but he said Tell you why, because you, you enjoy it. <laughs> you, you enjoy your sin. And he said, oh, that's it, huh? Yeah. He said, you enjoy your sin. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11.25, there is the passing pleasures of sin. In other words, the time will come when someone who is willfully disobeying God will reap the consequences of being disobedient to God. And it may not happen right away. Sin can be fun, but oh boy, 
as believers, as those who want to, we sang this morning, just a closer walk. We, we, we don't want to do those things. We, we want to say, Lord, make me sensitive to the things that are displeasing to you. So um, what if I know the will of God but deliberately choose not to do it? We need to keep in mind there's consequences for disobedience to God. Secondly, uh, can't I rely on my feelings when it comes to the will of God? And you see a lot of this or you hear a lot of this in programming on out in the media. Just follow your heart. Is that a good recommendation, by the way? No. What, what's Jeremiah 17:9 say? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's why we came to the Lord's table this morning. We are not those who say, oh, man is basically good. Man is basically sinful, and we need a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he went to the cross. One of the young adults in our church fellowship was in the community college north of here, and the professor said, how many of you feel that people are basically good? Almost everybody in the room raised their hand. He says, now I've heard this before. How many of you think that man is basically sinful? One raised her hand. And boy, did she have an opportunity to talk after class. <laughs> the Bible tells us we, we sin, we fail God. But Jesus came and paid the price for our sins. He shed his blood that our sins might be forgiven. How awesome. So we can't rely only on our feelings. And lastly, uh, can I be in the will of God and not know that I am? That's a good question. Because we're talking about things we do to make sure we have God's will. Can I be in the will of God and not know it? I'm going to give you a one-word answer to that and explain it a little bit. The answer is yes. You can be in the will of God and not really understand uh, that you're doing the will of God. Okay, it is certainly possible. People live their lives uh, daily in good relationship with those in their families, in good relationships with those they work with, and they, they want to please God. Uh, I, I jotted these down. There are those who cultivate good re- relationships. There are those who confess sin quickly. There are those who pay their bills and their debts to others promptly. There are those who take care of their bodies. They're healthy. There are those who um, get sufficient exercise. There are those who react correctly to the stresses of life. Now, that's living in the will of God. If you can do those things, if you have a consciousness that this is what I need to be doing, yes, you can be living in the will of God. But when we talk about the will of God, we're primarily talking now about when it comes to decisions that you make. Lastly, what about if time runs out and you still do not know what to do? This question is asked. Stay with me on this. What if time has run out and you still do not know what to do even though you have gone to the Lord in prayer? Okay? Here's what has been suggested. You can pray this way. Now kind of listen to the prayer. Lord, because you know everything and you know the decisions that are before me and that the way I should go, I want your will. My friends, I have prayed that. I'm sure some of you have as well. Lord, I want your will. I got this decision to make by, let's say, Friday night. And Lord, I want your will. 
Okay, so Friday night comes, and uh, you still don't have that certainty, okay? But you have to make a choice. The time is there. So here's what you keep in mind. You've prayed for God's will. Friday night comes, you have to make a choice. You make the choice, okay? I do not believe that God leads people um, away from him uh, purposefully. I believe God wants us to be walking in his will and doing his will. So here's how you would again pray at the point of time that you have to make the choice. You make the choice, and then you pray something like this. Lord, if this is not right in your sight, put a heaviness on my heart. Now, I know a person who bought a car, and they actually went over the budget. And the Lord allowed that person to get out of it. Not everybody can. I know somebody who bought a house. Didn't check all his finances before he bought his house. He got back home and, oh, it was terrible. Called up and asked for prayer. He did get out of it. (laughs) It's good news at the end of the story. But see, here's the point. Here's the point. If this is not right in your sight, put a heavy burden upon my heart. And if it is right in your sight, dear Lord, please give me peace. And I believe that's how God wants us to pray. The last verse I want to mention before we uh, close in prayer is Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. And that's the verse where the Lord says, very important section of Scripture. Speaking to the people of Israel, Isaiah 43:18 and 19a. Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. <laughs> Actually, in Isaiah 43:18, God's simply saying this: Don't dwell on the past. Don't allow the past only to rule your life. He says, and I love it. He says, "Behold, I will do a new thing. We have a new year before us." And I hope you will leave from the service this morning with several things in mind, but certainly the thing is that God will guide you in the coming year. And also that God wants to do some new things in your life and experience. I made my own list. Things in your life and experience. I will do a new thing. Oh, there it is. Not I will do a new thing, but God says, I'm going to do a new thing for you. I'm going to help you in this new year. You live close to me, and I will guide you in the things that you do. What an awesome promise from the Lord. And in closing, this statement from William Carey, who had to pray a lot about going to India in 1761. You know, he couldn't fly over in a jet, could he? No. 1761. Going to India, a country with great poverty and uh, false religions. Almost every time he'd speak, there were those who would be opposed to what he said. When he said, there's only one Lord, there's only one Savior, and it's Jesus Christ. And of course, Hinduism has thousands of gods. He says, no, there's only one Savior, and he loves you very much. And he led, by the way, thousands of people to forgiveness of sin and life in Christ. Here's what he said, and you please remember this. He said, 
as we face the new year, we want to say this too. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Don't look at 2018 negatively. Expect great things from God and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do for you in this coming year?